our family vision is we are the parrots and we cultivate well-ordered households built for endurance and abundance. And so do you think that us, the temperature three... in your home helps produce endurance? <laughs> I think it produces abundance because I love air conditioning. <laughs> What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Mark, what, what, is, what do you keep the temperature at in your house in the winter months? Is it cold there now? It's cold here. Oh, man. It's medium. It, it's actually the warmest day we've had in a while, but the winter is knocking on the door. Uh -huh. um, in the summer months, I keep it at 68 because of all luxuries in life, the one I most enjoy is air conditioning. Like 68. When I got, uh, you're like my mother-in-law. Kind of, when I got to a financial spot where I could afford to keep it cool in the summer, I was <laughs> like, that's better than drinking fancy wine or whatever to me is <laughs> air conditioning. Uh, so in the winter, I'm delighted because I also like it chilly. Um, I, I'd be happy if if it could be 65 or 64 in my house, I'd be fine. My family oh my. wouldn't tolerate that. So we usually hover around 67. 67. Is that too cold or too hot? That's too cold. With little children, are their noses cold? No, they can put on a sweater if they're cold. No, I asked you a different question than what their elbows feel like are their noses they can put cold? on a nose sweater if they're cold <laughs> <laughs> wow well i'm glad i asked i thought i was gonna get a, a, a nothing answer i think most people hang around at 72 i think that's most Whoa. people's i think that's most people's temperature i can't sleep if it's 72 i think that's what most of america is doing is 72 well, I think America needs to uh, experience the joys of a restful night at 67. Holy smokes. I don't okay. know if you're right. I remember visiting in college when I was on the cycling team. We had a race up in Vermont, and one of the teammates' parents lived up there in the winter. Um well, it wasn't winter, it was March, but that's basically still winter in Vermont. And I remember they were like, okay, here's all the bedrooms. And I woke up and the glass on my nightstand was frozen solid when I woke up. Um, I think there's a lot of people in America who do not heat their homes to 72 in the winter. I don't. Let's try this. If you're listening <laughs> right now, say out loud what the temperature in your house is right now. Say it. Okay, you see there, Mark? These people's homes are warmer. Huh. You walk into their homes on a cold day with frost on the ground, and you go, oh, it's so toasty in here. You feel that way in Utah if it's 67. You're like, it was just 18 out there, and now it's, it's 67. It, I feel like home, I'm in Arizona. 
I know yeah. the answer to this question already, but I'll ask it anyways. If if I were going to keep the house 67 degrees, which feels like the most, I wouldn't even do that on a low, low dough year. I wouldn't keep the house at 67. But if I did, would there be a hearth around in your home that I could warm myself by? Uh, no, unfortunately. Are there we... any warm spots? Could I sit close to the dryer? You could come under the covers with me <laughs> oh brother that, that's my wife's warming station goodness gracious okay well um i know we're excited about what we're going to uh not only talk about but announce today we have a big announcement coming today um but before we do i'd like to share something very special with you it's a little segment i like to call Orator's Corner. Now, I'm going to read. It's going to be pretty short. It's not even a speech. I really like to keep these two speeches. But um, this is a... I, I'm thinking of this as a speech because my daughter had to recite this. This is a little... Um, I don't know what you call it. I guess it's kind of a poem. Um, and it was said to... It's been, it's been attributed to Mother Teresa, this thing I'm about to read. There are reports that it hung on the wall in her children's home in Calcutta. And because of that, because people didn't really know where it came from, it's been attributed to her. I think she read it at maybe a convocation or, or graduation or something at some point. Um, but it's been discovered that the original version of this poem was written by a guy named Kent M. Keith. Kent M. Keith. And uh, she loved it, and I thought it's pretty true, and I'm glad my daughter had to recite it. Here it is. You ready? Yes. It's called Anyway. You, you might have heard portions of this before, but I think it's really good. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered forgive them anyway if you're kind people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives be kind anyway if you're successful you will win some false friends and some true enemies succeed anyway if you're honest and frank people may cheat you be honest and frank anyway what you spend years building someone could destroy overnight build anyway if you find serenity and happiness they may be jealous be happy anyway the good you do today people will often forget tomorrow do good anyway give the world the best you have and it may never be enough give the world the best you've got anyway you see in the final analysis it's between you and your god it was never between you and them anyway. Boom! That's anyway. That's strong. It is strong. Imagine hearing those words come out of a little 12-year-old's mouth and you think, you don't have any idea how true any of, any of those sentences are. But it's, it's excellent stuff. Good fodder for thought. Yeah, I like it. Now let's get into the meat of what I want us to cover today. So... We have a very special announcement. It's coming at the end of this section after we talk a little bit about this concept. But 
you and I have um, happened upon the idea over the years of having a family vision statement. Um, and I'd like to talk about that and why that's an important thing, a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it was before the genesis of Abraham's wallet. I was hanging out with you in Cincinnati and you said, hey, I want you to come to this meeting. You were employed by a church and you said, I want you to come to this meeting and just see what I'm doing. And I said, okay. And so it was just you and a guy that you were discipling in some way. He might've been another employee of the church. And you basically let me sit in and watch you take him through a process to figure out not only some goals for the coming year, but some of the components of who he was. And that was the first time that I had been exposed to the idea of, well, there, there could be a, a process that somebody goes through to figure out vision. And I don't know, looking back now, I'm like, that was, that was a formational moment. Cause I saw this guy, he lit up and he went, Oh, this is how I'm created. These are the things the Lord has put in my heart. And I could actually shape some of my calendar around those things. I could change the way I'm planning on doing my budget next year based on those things. So the idea of, uh, having a vision that leads into some concrete goals that leads into how I would allocate my time and money. It's really, it, it predates the thinking you've been doing about this predates Abraham's wallet by, by a good bit. And probably is one of the key catalysts for me in saying we need to put some, some shape around this. And a, a lot of people have done our goals summit, but, um, but help people get the, get some handles on how to, to create vision and, and use it to power more than just uh, a cute sign in their kitchen. That's awesome. I, I never, I didn't know that story. That's, those are, it's a nice origin story. I don't know. I don't know where I happened upon this either, or I would give credit right now, but l let's just talk about the, the whole concept in general, because, uh, I don't know, it kind of feels like a fad to have a family vision statement. It sounds like it's a newcomer. It sounds like a flash in the pan. Like, yeah. uh, I don't really think we need that. Thank you very much for your pop psychology idea. Okay. And if you don't have one, you'll, you'll keep living the next 2022 will still come whether you have one or not. But I want to, I want to suggest something in, in having one. Um, you might know this verse, Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. And then the second half of that verse is, but whoever keeps the law, that man is blessed or happy. Where there is no vision, people throw off restraint. But whoever keeps the law is happy and blessed. I want to dig into that for a second, but you can okay. keep going. I just want to say that this is true of a nation. This is true of a church. So whatever you think of as a people. So I, I have a, a, helped build a ministry team of men here in Cincinnati. 
They're, they're about 800 strong. And if there isn't a specific vision about what we're, we are and aren't about, then that it's going to be, it's going to become about everything and nothing. And there will be no bottom line expectation. There'll be no hard lines uh, to keep us uh, in our lane doing the thing that we're supposed to be doing. That's true of a business. That's true of everything where there's no vision. People cast off restraint. I submit to you. This is also true of a family. If you're a Christian family in 2021, 22, 23, whatever the year is, if you are a Christian in America, you're going to hear lots of competing messages about what you should be about. You just drop into any church or podcast or book or whatever, and people will be putting on you what you should be about. I was at a, I was at a meeting at the University of Miami of Ohio uh, last night. And I, so things, strange for those of us who aren't from Ohio. Every time I'm like, what? I, I thought this is the hurricanes, but no. It's, <laughs> sorry. sorry. You know, the, Miami is a is a people group. It was a tribe, an Indian tribe. And so wherever they lived, you, you could call Miami territory. And it just so happened they named it city Miami. But it would be like naming a city Cherokee. And then anywhere else that there was Cherokees, you would think, well, that's not in Wyoming where Cherokee is. But I don't know. There's a, okay. here's a, there's a lot of good Native American roots Good knowledge here in drop Ohio. there. That, okay. that helps. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. So they were just throwing down on these students. All of the, I mean, nobody squawked about it but you could feel their the people leading this group they're just pressing all the shoulds on these students you know you should be about this you should be about this and all the students are nodding their heads obediently going yeah okay i guess that is what we should be about i and i had i personally had some internal objections about these shoulds um and, and that's just what it's like Wherever you go, people are going to be telling you what you should be about. Right now, I'm telling you, you should be about a family vision. Why? Because of what I have to say? Because of my little vision? No, because your vision for your family really matters. And a family vision statement helps articulate this is who we are. We're not like them. We're not like them. We're this family, and we have this lane that we run in. So... I think it's really helpful for articulating just who we are and then what we do is a knock-on effect from that definition of who we are. Is that a suitable uh, uh, yeah, overview? I, you know, I think that going to that specific verse, we talk, one of our mantras here is that money is a training ground, right? It is not the the main event, but money is a place where you can really see if you are implementing kingdom principles. And what you just brought up is very much a kingdom principle that vision, uh, is a critical, uh, kind of North star, uh, or you will, you'll go here and there and cast off restraint. It could mean you go careening into a dish or it could just mean you kind of drive in circles Um, because I don't, I don't have lane markers on the road I'm on. So I just kind of drift. And I think with money, you know, 
I'm a broken record about budgeting, but this, I talk to people about their budgets all the time. And the number one thing that I hear, I don't, I don't know if this is a gender thing or more of a role thing, but oh, here it he goes, lot. everybody. It's a gender I hear it thing. I a lot here from, from the mom in the family who says, oh, you know, my husband, he, he really got motivated about getting our finances in order and he went and created a budget and I just feel like constrained. Like it's a big hand slapping device that tells me right. don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And one of my key goals when I'm working with a family is to move them from thinking of the budget as the no, no list. Like you should really be spending less on your groceries yeah. to saying this is if we have our family vision dialed in, if we have yeah. a statement that says this is where we're going and these are the types of things that we are supposed to be putting everything we've got towards, well, then the budget becomes a yes document. Yes. So it's, I, I tell people all the time, if they're feeling sheepish because they spent $1,200 on groceries, but they feel like they should spend 1000 I yeah. say... You know, it's not bad. There's nothing morally wrong with spending $2,000 on groceries if your family's entire thing is hosting and providing food and you're bringing yeah. people into the kingdom because of what your home and your table is all about. I was like, I wouldn't stand here and go, that's that's wrong. You need to only right. spend the average. Um, and that's all... But for other families, it, they really, it's right that they're saying, no, we, we spend 350 bucks a month on groceries because we've got these callings and we've got to fund them and right. we're, ha we're happy with these simple meals. Great. Right. Um, both are informed by the vision. And when you get that right, you actually start wanting to go in that, the direction pointed to by the vision. And I just think the budget's an excellent illustrator of that because without, without any vision, you just get ticked off like I I just want, you know, to go get a pumpkin latte right now and screw the budget. I'm going to do it because you don't have anything that's more good that you have arrived at that. This is what I or we, you know, this is the vision that we're about. Um, so I just think the budget's an excellent checkup for do we have a vision that's actually informing what we do and how does it feel if it feels terrible and the budget feels oppressive then we don't probably actually have a vision uh that we're actually we're bought into as a family yeah that's good so in 1904 the usa took over construction of the panama canal and the panama canal is really a significant thing it connected in the middle of continents two oceans that would take forever to, to you know to to navigate it's 50 miles long 50 miles of digging it took america the 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 engineering geniuses that built america it took them 10 years to dig 50 miles across so this thing was dug and it, and it provided you could look at it and go well there's uh, some clear direction happening here and then the magic day happened when they opened the dams and water flowed it down that canal that they had built. I think of the vision statement as a canal that you're digging that says we're going in this direction 
And money and time and energy is the water that flows through that canal. And you go, we're heading this direction. Where do you think that money is going to flow? Well, if you've defined it, it's going to head the direction that you want it to. Otherwise, it either won't go anywhere or it'll just dissipate into the ether. No good. So what we're going to talk about is not specifically, you know, I, I want you to have this question because I'm going to answer the question. I'm not going to specifically talk to you about how to come up with your vision statement. We're just going to sit here for a few minutes, Mark and I, and talk about the value of having a vision statement and some of the ways that it can be used. He's already given one of the things that we're going to talk about, which is the financial use of having a, fi- a, a family vision statement. But we're going to talk about some of the other uses. So what I'm going to go through is kind of a reverse order uh, five capitals, if people are familiar with five capitals. So I'm going to start with where you started, Mark, which is financial. So I think the first place that we can see obvious ramifications of a family vision statement is in your spending and in your saving. So... For example, here's a really kind of fun, real safe one. Okay, I'm I'm right now as I'm as I'm talking through this, I'm looking at the goals that that me and my wife put together for 2021. And our family vision statement is that we create environments where people can experience the king and his kingdom. So just to just to put some feet to that just for the sake of of illustration we we run a couple of businesses I have a ministry school we you know I'm a basketball coach we we do different we have different sort of venues where where our family kind of plays out in the world and when we say the king and his kingdom when I say the king what I'm talking about is specific discipleship kind of lordship things so when I speak to groups. I'm, I'm speaking to a, a group of house churches this coming weekend. I'm usually talking about lordship issues because I, because I want to create an environment where people can experience the king. And then we say the kingdom for things like um, our, our financial business, Outpost. We have an event planning company. Well, we're going to get into lordship issues and we're doing a corporate event. But when people interface with our event company or our people or the events that we run, they can experience the kingdom in as much as it's a friendly place. It's an organized place. It's a safe place. When you interact with our people, you're going to experience the kingdom, etc. So we say that we create environments where you can experience the, the king and his kingdom. I hope that makes sense a little bit. So, for instance... Mark Douglas has his oldest son was in his senior year in the spring he was running a a high schooler guys bible study that met at the God Bless America Shipley Donuts in in College Station Texas the Shipley Donut we could pause here and talk about the Shipley Donut for a while it's a Texas institution it's a wonderful thing however I'm going to try to push past it and just say, I I know that uh, Liam, this kid, didn't have a lot of money. I'm like, well, what do you guys, what do you guys eat at the Shipley's? He's like, well, we just kind of cobble some coins together. And I'm I'm thinking of the 
I don't know, eight, ten high school guys that he had there. And I'm thinking of my money and what I have to offer. And I'm thinking if I was sitting there with those guys, I would every week I would pay for all their donuts. So and by the way, the name of this uh, Bible study, they call it Deuteronomy. Dude. Deuteronomy. Because they're young dudes who are into theonomy. <laughs> well, who are into the Bible, specifically the okay. Torah. So they called it Deuteronomy. And so I'm just looking at my goal sheet under financial. And one thing is that I was going to make I was going to make Deuteronomy happen. So I had a I had a weekly Venmo alert that would come up that I'm going to send um, I'm going to send Liam some cash to make Deuteronomy happen. You know why? Because that's an environment where people can experience the king and his kingdom. And I want to put money toward that. So that's a giving example. I recognize we're talking about spending and saving. So something that we've been saving toward is um, we want land back in Texas where I'm from, where my where the rest of my family is, and we've been saving towards trying to trying to get some land. Well, I I, I want I want a parcel where our family vision comes to life in Texas. So we're regularly saving towards that goal. Is that happening this year? Uh, it's not happening in 21. Might it happen next year? It might, but that's something that we're putting our money towards in a saving way because it's a part of a family goal. It's part of a, a multi-generational, it's part of our family goal that we're going to have environments where people can experience the king and his kingdom. Um, this ministry school that I run, it sometimes needs money to rent places or to provide, I don't know, to pay for trainers, to provide refreshments for people to come along. We're happy to spend that money on that because it's, it is um, an execution of our family vision. So your finances, spending, saving, and giving must be, as you were saying about budget, must be implicated by your, your family vision. Anything else to add before I move on to point two? You know, our family vision is we are the parents and we cultivate well-ordered households built for endurance and abundance. And so for us, you there's think that three... the temperature in your home helps produce endurance? I think it produces abundance because I love air conditioning. <laughs> I would have seen it as the opposite. I would have seen it as, as endurance because if you can endure the temperature of our home, you can make it anywhere, Well, kid. I'll tell you one thing since you brought it up again. My my thermostat's set to 67, and I think it's 79 in this room right now because of the sun. So the fact that I set my thermostat, that's also even in the winter, it gets hot here because we get a lot of sun. And so anyways. Okay. Um, okay. But for us, there's like three three things there that we're always on the lookout for. One is what creates well-ordered households. So, you know, I get involved with church stuff that's about ordering the the household right. of God, whether that's leadership or just like teaching or whatever. Um, I, we, we noticed, hey, we're always trying to get people to go do athletic stuff with us. That's because we have this 
feeling that endurance, of course, physical not being the most important kind, but that it's valuable and that teaches things. And like if we can get somebody to sweat through a kettlebell workout with us, then we think they might even learn something eternal from from that experience. Um, And abundance is where I just stuck that in there so that I could continue collecting fancy wine and have a a spiritual... Sneakers. No, I I think that's that's (laughs) like we last year found out the one of our friends two years ago now found out one of our friends was really interested. They had gone to, to Mexico, I think, and learned about like fancy tequila. And we said, well, let's do a tasting of stuff that is like way beyond what we would normally afford and using, uh, you know, I, I'll caveat this. It must be targeted and limited. You can't call every day abundance day or you end up broke. Um, but, but being willing to spend, uh, extravagantly even on like key moments where you're going to, uh, use it to encourage others is is a part of what we like to do. So those are my examples. Okay. That's great. Let's go to the second thing, which is your physical space. So your family vision statement implicates your physical space. If you listened to my fascinating interview slash tour with Jeremy Pryor around his house, then you understood how his entire house is built around what they think their family is for. And their kids understand that intuitively because they live in the space. And the week, the week that they run um, is basically a tour of the house. I mean, you could basically say what what times of the week are these places used? And he could answer that question. I don't think I have to give more examples because it's a really good one. That your physical space should serve your family's vision statement. When you find that your physical space, I don't care if it's your clothing, your cars, your um, closet, your desk, your home, whatever doesn't serve the vision statement and again that's not it's not an arbitrary statement it's something that you would agree this is why god has us here this is who we are if those things don't serve that change them alter your physical space to serve why god has you on planet earth you don't need what other people have you don't have to there's not a comparison game here except that the comparison is like you're trying to do with Jeremy, who who's it, who is somebody who is also running hard after what they feel called to, and how are they doing it? Because that could inspire me. We're not, we don't all need the same technology, the same spaces in our home. Blah blah blah. Your home and your property should serve your family's vision statement. Yeah, I th- I think uh, for those who haven't gone through the tour of Stephen Manuel's physical space, you have really lived out this idea of creating what what's the vision again environments where people can experience the king and his kingdom you've done really well in one room of your house because everything is themed towards texas yeah and i feel like people go in there and they really feel like they're in the closest thing that we have here on earth to to the full presence which would just be the only thing that we don't have in there is we haven't yet figured out how to pipe in the smell of rudy's barbecue i was just about to say a smoker that's got like an external exhaust yeah hallelujah um 
Yeah, that's good. Jeremy said something. I think he said it a bunch of times, but uh, that the your physical space, your home, should be like a theme park. He he would say for the father's values, but for your family mm. vision is also I think very relevant. So just think about how do we create a theme park where people could go from station to station and experience That's right. our family vision. That's kind yep. of fun and. We just bought another house and it was empty and we had to fill it. And so it was yeah. a very good opportunity to go, what do we want to happen here? And what do we yes. not want to happen here? Because there was things yes. that we don't have that we have in our normal house. And now I'm like, well, why do we have them in our, our, the house that we spend all our time in? Yeah. Um, so many people are so good at branding and branding has become a, a second language for the for the modern American, especially people that either walk in executive uh, roads in their life or are business owners. And we everything feels branded. Oh, we want to. I don't know if hosp- hospitality is one of the one of the um, values of our event business. And so you want everything to look look and feel hospitable. Let me just ask a question: Have you done that with your home? I already know the answer is no, that you haven't. You haven't made a list of family values and then walked around your house and go, how can we bring those values to life, which is which is what you're saying. I'll move on. The third thing that your family vision statement can and should implicate are your intellectual pursuits. So I don't know where you get a chance in your life to pursue things intellectually. I'll make some suggestions. The books you read for leisure... I think of me right before bed. I've usually got the old Kindle out and I'm reading. Um, the podcast that you listen to in your car, that's where I do my main podcast listening or while I'm exercising. And conferences. That's kind of one of our things that we like to go to a conference or a trip or a retreat annually so that we get inspired and get enriched somewhere. So each of those things should be pushed through the lens of what is our family about? So are the things I'm listening to and exposing myself to, the things that are giving me intellectual nourishment, are they just random stuff that my friends are into? Hey, you should read this book. Or does it fall in line with, wait a second, I feel, for instance, called to be an evangelist. So I'm reading books this year that are going to enrich me, make me more of an expert on evangelism. My two cents, Stephen's opinion, is that whatever the thing is that you would call out, this is what our family is about, you should be the experts of the world in that thing and just see yourself as I'm owning this space and nobody's going to outdistance my family at being great at this calling, whatever that calling is. So... Again, personalizing it, I I don't want anybody to be better at making an environment where people feel like they're experiencing the king and his kingdom than my family does. I want us to be the best at that environment. Um, And so I want to be learning from people who understand about environments and how how to create a space. There's a famous event planner named Colin Cowie. He kind of got put on the world map for doing celebrity stuff and doing stuff for Oprah, and I think he's been on TV a few times. He has a book on hospitality that my wife and I bought and read and use that stuff. My wife even got an opportunity to shadow him at an event in California 
a couple of years ago and she took it because this is his profession. This is what he does. And we want to be great at our at our things. So your intellectual pursuits got something to add on that. I think it's it's easy for me to well, I keep going back to thinking about uh, how you might use money to fuel the intellectual pursuits but that's not exactly what you're talking about right um you know do your intellectual pursuits match the family vision is different from you know i think about we decided to put in a big bookshelf so that we could start having physical copies of the things we were reading and that actually wouldn't have taken any money we could have made a cinder block bookshelf for very little um i think there was a financial aspect to it because we want we said we're going to start buying physical books and ones that will last so that we can hand them out to people and say you should read this and put it in their hand when they're in our house yeah um so pro tip though it's all in one pro tip yeah go ahead if you're buying books I've become partial to hardcovers lately. Sure. And if you click the little button on Amazon below the buy it now, you can usually find a hardcover that's in excellent condition and slightly used for like four bucks. So totally, totally agree. Good, good find. Okay. Keep going. Um, Next one. I've only got two more. One is training your children. This is thing number four. It's implicate your finances, your physical space, your intellectual pursuits. I'm going to say training your children. So Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I hope, we, I hope we're very familiar with Proverbs 22, 6. Train up your children in the way they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Here's a question. What way should they go? Now, you could say general Christianity. How about historical Christianity? I'm going to raise my children toward historical Christianity. Okay, that's good. That's fine. I would say you just named a quite wide berth of a quite large topic. So the truth is you're not, I already know you're not going to raise your children in something called generic historical Christianity. What you're gonna raise them in is, guess what? Where you live, that's what you're gonna raise them in. So my kids are raised in some kind of version, somewhere between, I don't know, Baptist, Vineyard, uh, Messianic Judaism, um, uh, charismatic, um, non-denom world. You know why? Because that's my world and that's my wife's world. And so that's what my kids are being raised in. I want you to understand that the DNA that you pass to your children, the spiritual DNA that you pass to them, is as real as the size of your nose, the color of your hair, your height. That You're passing along physical DNA to your children. You're also passing along spiritual DNA to your children. It's almost certain. I'd put a dollar to a donut that if... The husband is a pastoral kind of a guy who takes care of people and he's very shepherding. The wife is a very pastoral shepherding kind of woman. You put them together, I bet you they're going to raise children who are pastoral and shepherding. The point being, your family vision statement will describe spiritual realities and those should be trained into your children. So when he says train up a child, 
it means the path that you walk in to know God. What are the what are the ways that you walk in? That means that my children, again, going back to my example, they should understand what we mean and what we do when we say that we create environments. They should understand the kind of people that we're after. They should understand the experiences that our family makes. They should understand what we mean by the king. They should understand what we mean by his kingdom. So every part of our family vision statement, it should, it should make sense to them. There should be ahas for them when they hear the explanation of the family vision statement um, that they go, oh, that's why dad does it this way. Oh, that makes sense. That's how mom does things. You know, if we would describe, well, excellence is part of the kingdom. And so that's why we do excellence. Oh, I see. It should really connect dots for them because you're training them specifically for what you believe that God's called your family to. And so that means understanding from a biblical standpoint, the, the things that you say and also doing it, doing it with you um, and putting it in a context of that family vision statement. Yeah. I think my example of this is it really comes from that well-ordered piece. We're very big on, uh, the created order and, and order in general. Um, we've, we've got very close friends who do parenting totally differently than us. Um, and sometimes I've even gotten feedback, you know, you're, you're a little strict. The thing that keeps me kind of from going, well, maybe I need to change is that the children of these, these people have come to, to my house and said, we feel like your house is peaceful and it's different than other houses we've been to. That's right. I'm sure that I get it wrong plenty, but my, my, the way I parent and even the, the way we choose to, to discipline and correct or, um, it all comes from this idea that a well-ordered household is an environment where people actually can experience peace and all these other good things. Yeah. Um, I, I've talked to parents recently who their family vision statement is all about mercy. Well, they, my guess, I don't know how they parent. My guess is there will be some different components yeah. uh, to the way they're raising kids. And that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. Last thing is your family vision statement will implicate your spiritual life. I hope that's obvious. Um, as I said, we can all tend to be a little bit scattershot. If you do the work to actually sit down and go, wait a second, what what is unique about us? Why did God make us? And what are the th- what are the things in our life where we feel kind of the most us? Like, wow, that's that's us. That's us. Then you can trim the fat and you can stop doing um, auxiliary, pointless um, rabbit trail endeavors. And you can center down on, wait, this is what, this is who we are. This is what we're about. It would, of course, implicate the things that you're studying scripturally because you want to understand. It doesn't mean that everything that you study in the Bible is going to be about your thing, but boy, you should understand your thing. If if you feel that God's called you to be a to be a giver, that is a spiritual gift, by the way. And if you feel like, well, we have the spiritual gift of giving, we need to understand that. Who are our biblical references? Who are some Bible heroes that we need to talk about around the house that will help us make decision? What are some Bible stories 
that could be touchstones for us. So it would implicate Bible. It would implicate the way that you pray because you're going to be repeatedly coming back to those things. I want to pray in line with, well, this is who God's made me to be. This is my arena. I own that space. Of course, the things that we practice spiritually, we should be practicing. As I said, we should be experts at the thing we're called to. So should we, we should be practicing them. We should be talking about them. And this is kind of, this is kind of a um, connective tissue between spiritual and relational. But we should be seeking experts in the fields that we want to grow in and go, that guy's been around the block a couple of times on the things that we feel called to. And I want to, I want to sit under this person. I want to have relationship with them. I want to seek the Lord together with this person so that we can get more equipped and more skilled at the thing we're called to. All of those things I think will be implicated by your family vision statement. Your financial issues, spending, saving, and giving. Your physical space, your intellectual pursuits, the way you train your children, and your spiritual life. Anything to add on that? My question is, it seems like this family vision statement is important. Um, it, it, are pe- we're making it sound that way. Are people supposed to just get a pen and paper and try to write one. I mean, I guess, and then maybe send it into your email, Stephen, for approval. No, 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 no. That's not the answer. How are people supposed to go about this? Well, you could either go to a mountaintop, try to meet a yogi up there, cross your legs, do the om thing for, I don't know how many weeks you, how many weeks does it take to reach enlightenment? and hope that hope that something gives there. I don't recommend that way. Um, as you had said, I've kind of been around this space for many years. Um, I've been trying to crack this nut for myself. I, I seem to be good at helping other people crack the nut. It's objectivity is very, is, is makes it simple when you can cut through the, cut through the, the noise for other people. I feel like maybe there's, there's a soft music starting to play in the background. Like it's leading up to maybe the announce the promised announcement. We are leading up to the promised okay, announcement. Let's, let's keep building. Okay. I was thinking a drum roll and not, a, not necessarily soft music. But, I was thinking okay. like, like some sort of inspirational, like Russell Crowe movie, classical, but oh, okay. manly classical tune that's going to build until dun, 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 okay. you know, that's very specific. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So I've been in this space. I like helping people crack this nut, having helped many people figure out this puzzle of what your family vision statement is. I've come up with some methods that I think help us get there. And so what we decided to do um, is make the ability to craft your family vision statement available to everybody with an online course that you can take. So we are rolling out the online course, which we're calling Creating a Family Vision Statement in Just Three Hours. So if you'll give me three hours of focused attention and walk through some videos, it's me talking. There, there I am sitting in my black shirt 
in Jeff's living room where we videoed these things. Um, I'm talking you through how to create your family vision statement. You've got some exercises. There's an editable PDF, you know, where you can write your answers in. You can be working through it. We've got some kind of feedback forms for you to talk to us and you could give us your statement and we can give you some reactions, etc. It's really cool the way that it works. We're kind of excited about it and um, we'd love to invite you to, uh, to take it. <clears throat> the catch is it costs. Do you know what it costs? I do. What does it cost? $299? $249. Okay, it costs $249. Um, Can I just interject is, is, here, Stephen? Yeah, sure. So what you, you did, you skipped a little bit here, which is that Stephen has been going through this process with our clients at our business, Outpost Advisors. Uh, it's a piece of every financial planning engagement that we do is the um, process, a guided process of understanding, defining your family vision. Um, some of you listeners have talked to me and I said, I think that we would love to help you, but you've got a few other things to set in order before you need to hire a financial planner. Others of you have have uh, thought, maybe someday I'll work with those outpost guys, um, but it's not the right time to do a full blast financial planning engagement. So um, part of why we did this course was to give families like yours, uh, listener, the chance to... to, to be guided through this process so you're not just left on your own um, without necessarily doing our whole kit and caboodle uh, yeah. financial planning, three-month-long engagement. So it's, I think it's an excellent step towards setting some, uh, some vision, obviously, but just uh, once you get this nailed, even without going through financial planning, you're going to find that you have some clarity on what should I do with my money? Uh, yeah, that's true. Even technical questions like which debts should we try to eliminate first? Um, your family vision might have something to say, because if you're a family that's uh, getting sent out and you say we go internationally and we well, you need to be more mobile. If you're a family that is going to be hospitality in the city of Des Moines, well, it's OK. We think it's OK to have a mortgage. So different things yeah. for different families that can even come from your from your family vision and inform your money before you ever talk to somebody like us about um, more of the technical aspects of financial planning. So this is just one piece of our big process that we go through with folks and we're making it available as a standalone offering. Yeah, we think it's a way for you to get our advice out of our noggin into your ears and eyes so that you can hear that, you know, here, here's our learnings around this. Here's what we think is important and walk you through that process uh, without having to be a full-blown client. So there's the value proposition for you. I hope we've described why we think it's important. As Mark said, it's the first step that we take everybody through because if you don't know why you're here, how could you possibly know what your money's for and what you're supposed to be doing with it? So the easiest way to find this course right now is to go to outpostacademy.net. You can also go to outpostadvisors.net. That's our, our financial advising firm. And there's a little link that says courses. That'll take you to the same place. 
but uh, outpostacademy.net will take you straight to the course. And I think we should uh, we should give these good people a discount. Uh, that's Mark. What do you think? You can't be serious. That's it. Feels like the risk is too high. Yeah, I mean, what if they all what if they all buy it today? We'll go broke. Yeah, we'll, we'll go broke if everybody buys it because we're. I mean, the discount is too deep. <laughs> so, <laughs> we are doing fifty dollars off of the course for Abraham's Wallet listeners for the next couple of weeks. Um, you can use the discount code Abraham's Wallet, uh, and that will get you fifty bucks off the course. So. Sweet. Don't even worry about the two forty nine that we talked about. It's only no, no, that goes away. It's only one ninety nine for Abraham's Wallet listeners, Deal. as long as you shake Deal. a leg. Nice. Oh yeah, we should say that isn't going to be live forever. That's actually going to go down on December twentieth. That'll be shut down. So, what a great gift to give to your spouse to say, "I have bought a way in for us to figure out what our family vision statement is." Anyway, so. Abraham's wallet is the code. It's going to be at outpostacademy.net and it's 50 bucks off and it dies on December 20th. So there it is. The, disc, the discount dies. You can still yeah, do the, the course. Dies. Yeah, sure. You can do the course forever. And outpostacademy.net, you could, you could hand that to anyone else who's interested in establishing family vision. And we wouldn't tell you, we wouldn't tell you don't do that. We would be okay if you decided to share that with someone else or even a whole lot of other people, sure, you know, some of you have, have been avid listeners for a long time and have asked us, well, what could we do? Uh, and you can always, leave a review. Idea. you can always leave a review of the podcast. You can always send in mail to the mailbag. We love those things, but now you have a new way to support your favorite biblical householder podcast. And that would be, outpostacademy.net there you go well that's the big announcement we made that thing yep the music was good yeah the music speaking of music just to to wind this down i did see that uh probably the preeminent stephen manuel solo album uh has been has been in the news this week right (laughs) oh that's right I saw that Big Facebook story. is actually Huge. changing their name to the I, name now, of. Yeah, I don't know how Zuckerberg, I don't know how he came by my record. You know, it's it was it, it was a niche thing. There is a very, uh, very small but excited group of fans. Well, that's how he came by it. People with that kind of money, they don't listen to mainstream music. They they have people that find them the gems that are in the I indie suppose, scene. I suppose that's what it was. So this is a record from... What year? 99? 2000? <laughs> something like that? Yeah, maybe 98. And anyways, he got his hand on my record, which was called Meta. And he was obviously so inspired, he thought... Facebook's been great. We've had a good run. We've made a lot of money. But this thing, this is special. I've got to hitch my wagon to this burning star. Stephen Manuel. Yeah. Well, Anyways. I challenge any listener to uh, to go pull it up on Spotify and listen to Cyclone Girl. And you might love it. You might hate it. But I promise you, you will yeah. be singing it 
in your brain for days after you've heard it because that song doesn't leave once it gets in. And no matter what happens, if you do that, I'll make .0003 cents. And that would be incredible. Is that the, is that the, the payout? Nah, I'm guessing. I don't know what Spotify pays. You might be able to renegotiate that in light of <laughs> recent true, news. That's true. That's true. I like the way you're thinking. Okay. Well, let's shut it down. We appreciate your patronage. We hope you have a nice uh, week. We're coming up on Thanksgiving. So great, great things afoot. I hope your home is decorated seasonally. And I hope the smell of warmed nutmeg and vanilla is wafting through your home Mm. yeah we're smoking a turkey on the traeger this year and it's gonna be that smell i'm considering just pulling it indoors just to smoke the house with the delicious scent of turkey but you know what i said that we're finishing and i even i heard the walkout music and i'm stopping that because you've you've brought up a point that i have to make to the people at this time i have to make it now There is an outfit out of Tyler, Texas that I want everyone to be aware of. They're called Greenberg Turkeys. All these people do, their only business is smoking turkeys. That's all they do. They smoke turkeys. Didn't all their turkeys get killed last year? I'm going to get to that. They own the website gobblegobble.com. Gobblegobble.com. Pretty clever for Greenville turkeys. Last year... Their entire factory burned to the ground. There was a fire at the Greenberg Turkey Smoking Factory. I probably had something to do with smoke getting out of hand or, or decades of of, gre- of turkey fat. Wouldn't that fire be great as if they, they, the fire chief came and he's like, well, it was... It was somebody left some nail polish remover on the dryer. It had nothing to do with the millions of turkeys you smoke here. Or if the fire chief said... Never was there a more delicious smelling fire than the fire that burned down the Greenberg Smoked Turkey Factory. Anyhow, God bless the folks at Greenberg Smoked Turkey. They're back online this year, and you can purchase them. Not only will I be getting a Greenberg Smoked Turkey, I am purchasing them for friends because I want the Greenberg Turkey Smoking Factory in Tyler, Texas to thrive so go to gobblegobble.com. If you just if you get one of those and you want to taste taste a little Texas smoked turkey, you can think of us here at Abraham's Wallet because all we do is give you great recos. So that's what I'm throwing out at you. Awesome. Well, I'm looking and, forward and the fold and the fold credit card. I'm looking forward to to a Greenberg smoked turkey is what I'm hearing. <laughs> You can only assume that you're getting one, right? <laughs> well, I Excellent. don't know. Okay. Well, until next week. Signing off for Abraham's Wallet. It's me, Steve Emanuel. And me, Mark Parrott. Adios. Peace.